You're listening to Radio Influence. This is the place that the UFC and Bellator come to for the inside scoop of what's going on in the world of mixed martial arts. The doors of the gym are opened up just for you. We are the MMA Insiders. Here are your hosts, Jason Floyd of the MMA Report and the president of Combat Sports Media, Sam Kaplan. ESPN is the new home for the UFC as it was announced earlier this week that not only will they be the streaming rights holder of the UFC, they will also be the television home for the UFC. And we're going to discuss this news here on this edition of the MMA Insiders Podcast on Radio Influence. Of course, I am Jason Floyd. He is Sam Kaplan. Sam, uh, you know, I'm actually quote unquote on vacation this week, but since it's such a, a huge news story, it's come in, take a little bit of time out of uh, out of my vacation here to talk to you about what's going on here with the UFC and ESPN. Uh, you know, Sam, the last show we did, we talked about how the streaming deal was a home run for the UFC. $150 million a year reportedly for the linear package. Oh my! Uh, I'm I'm shocked. Yeah, it's it's a that the digital deal is a home run. This deal is a strikeout in my eyes, Jason. It's it's like an entourage episode come to life. Entourage, of course, based around the the life of Ari Emanuel. You know, the 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 Ari in Entourage is based on the real life Ariel uh, uh, Ari that owns. You know, that's the head of WME and IMG that owns the UFC. He has been a juggernaut in the entertainment industry for years. One of the most ruthless negotiators in the game almost always gets what he wants. It's just a massive winner. And this was a massive loss. They misplayed this traditional rights deal almost as bad as you could play it. And don't believe the media hype. Look, Dana White has come out and he's talking about how this is just a great deal and it's one of the best days of his life since owning the UFC. And he has to say that. He's a promoter. He's a a figurehead of the UFC. He's not going to come out and say, hey, this is not exactly what we had planned for. Uh, This isn't what we wanted, but, you know, we're going to move forward anyway. He can't say that. He's, you know, he's the promoter of the UFC. The media, yeah, especially the MMA media, I guess they have to portray it a certain way as well if they want to retain their credentials to the UFC. But we don't have to worry about that, Jason. We can tell the people how it really is. And this was a massive misplay, only $150 million. But it goes beyond just the money aspect. I don't know, Jason, if ESPN is going to be the right partner for the UFC. You look at the relationship the UFC had with Spike. You look at the relationship they had with FS1. They were integral to the successes of both those networks. Now you go in, you were a big fish in a smaller pond. Now you are a very small fish in a much, much larger pond. You are a, a, a a tadpole in an ocean because when you look at ESPN, it is an all sports network. That's all that they do. The UFC is a sports rights package. When you compare them to the other sports that are televised on ESPN and they are numerous they do not rank very high, Jason. They just do not. And you could say that, oh, wow, 10 fights on ESPN. It's a more heavily viewed station than FS1. It's in more homes. It's it's more accessible on, on you know, the cable TV distribution tiers. 
but where are these when and where are these shows going to air? Especially during the fall, Jason. During the fall when you've got college football on Saturday nights. I'm glad you brought that up, Sam, because that's that was one of my main talking points I wanted to bring up, and, and I have not seen a lot of people bring this up. It's not saying that all these fights are on big ESPN. Let, let's right. note what right. it says in the press release. It says, starting in January 2019, ESPN Plus and ESPN become the exclusive digital and linear distributions in the United States for the UFC, showcasing 42 live events. 30 of which will feature a full fight car of UFC bouts. ESPN Linear Networks, plural, will broadcast 10 exclusive events as well as UFC pay-per-view preliminary fights, while ESPN Plus will offer 20 exclusive events and preliminary fights for UFC on ESPN Fight Night programming. Now, at me, I'm, you know, look, in the fall, I'm I'm working for NFL team broadcast. I know that on a Saturday night when I'm on the road in the city, I walk into a sports bar, every ESPN network is going to have a college football game on. And newsflash, ESPN is not showing the UFC over a college football game. That That's just the facts. So I look at these 10 shows that are going to be on UFC on ESPN Fight Nights, and to me, that tells me it is going to be sometime in the winter up into the fall because I, you know, if they're going to be on ESPN in the fall, you might be on ESPN News. That, that You said it. You said that that's exactly where I was going with this. And if they're not going to be on ESPN News on Saturday nights during the fall, then you're going to see them at very odd times during the week. I mean, you may see Thursday night shows. You may see Wednesday night shows, which can work from a television rating standpoint. Very difficult from a ticket selling standpoint, especially at the rates that the UFC charges for their tickets. You don't have a lot of people that can get out on a Tuesday or Wednesday night and go see an MMA show. Typically, you know, as an MMA promoter, you want to stick to Friday and Saturday nights when you're selling tickets. And granted, ticket sales pale in comparison to other revenue streams in the UFC right now. But you do want that revenue and you do want your crowds to look full on TV. Well, and you can you can talk this point. You know, Scott Coker ha- has mentioned this. He hates doing Friday shows in California because when you're talking about a, a 7 p.m. East Coast start for a preliminary card, 9 p.m. Eastern main card, you're talking about 4 p.m. local time in California and, and 6 p.m. local time in California. So it's tough to get crowds there. That's why Bellator wants to do shows. Yeah, Bellator wants to do shows on a Saturday in California and not Friday just because they know it's going to be tough to get the crowd there. You know, I, I think from the, hey, we're on ESPN, exactly. that's yeah. great branding. But one of the things of, you know, I saw the quote Dana talking about how this move will be very big for fighters. Okay, my response to Dana White would be, well, how is this going to be better for fighters? Are fighters getting a portion of the rights feel? No, they're not. So tell me how it's better. What are you, Is it a big deal for fighters just like the Reebok deal was a big deal for fighters? Yes. I, look, Dana White's a promoter. He's going to say what he's going to say. The The other aspect that we that no one's really touched on, that or at least it hasn't been touched on a lot, you're losing four events on Big Fox. You know, this is an ESPN deal. This is not a ABC slash ESPN deal. UFC is not going to get those four, get four shows on, on, on ABC. And I think now in this day and age where there's more and more people cutting the cord, 
there there is an added relevance in being on a free over the air network and getting four shows. I think this from from a credibility standpoint, prestige standpoint, and an overall exposure standpoint, that was big. Getting those shows on Fox. Now I don't think the UFC necessarily utilized those Fox broadcasts the way that they should have, and as far as creating stars and building to bigger fights on pay per view, that's a, that's a show into itself. But not having that at all, not even having that option, having it taken off the table, that's that's not good for the overall exposure level of the fighters. You're only talking about 10 fights on the array of ESPN traditional networks, and it may not necessarily be ESPN, ESPN 1, like we talked about, ESPN 2, possibly ESPN News, which is essentially ESPN 3, although there is an ESPN 3 apparently on ESPN.com. But now you've got 10, only 10 shows on the ESPN traditional networks. The 15 that was originally agreed upon for ESPN Plus, it's now increased to 20 shows. So that's now five additional shows that are put behind a paywall. And if you have, you know, disposable income and you're tech savvy, you've already got a Chromecast, I mean, a Chrome uh, Fire Stick, Chromecast, Apple TV, uh, PlayStation View, whatever you use, you know, to, to turn your TV into a smart TV – it's pretty easy then to just pay four ninety five. It's like ordering off an Am- ordering something off of Amazon. But if you don't have a lot of disposable income and you're not tech savvy, maybe you're a little older and you don't necessarily know how to turn your TV into something that can access Netflix, Hulu, and all these other apps and download them to your TV, then suddenly that becomes a big barrier. Yeah, no, that that definitely is an issue. I mean, the the increase of digital shows did kind of catch my eyes when I saw this. You know, uh, another thing that I think is a big part of this, and I don't know how many people are talking about it, it actually came from a tweet from Brett Akimoto, is that the UFC maintains production, which, you know, someone asked me, well, what does that mean? And I basically, the best way to put it is UFC, when it comes to their broadcasts, they're going to be able to control the message. And of course they're going to have control over the broadcast, because this is just too, was too good of a deal for, for ESPN. I'm pretty sure at one point they weren't open to that idea giving the UFC control on on its networks but the 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 deal was just too good to pass up this was a pardon my language Jason I don't know if we've ever really sworn on the air this was an oh shit deal by the UFC because what happened was was this and I've talked to people about it and our sources on this that you know as far as what we've reported on these negotiations the information that we've gotten and disseminated on this show has been pretty on point to date and in talking to people about this and the way that things went down it you know the dom- the, the shoe dropped once Fox consummated the deal for SmackDown and from what I understand and it's been reported as well Fox lowered the standing offer that was on the table for the UFC. They got frustrated. They were they weren't happy, and they lowered the deal. And then that created anim- even more animosity between Fox and the UFC because the UFC, you know, Ari Emanuel's not used to situations where people negotiate backwards with him. He was not. I don't think they were prepared. They were completely taken off guard by this, and they weren't happy about it because. SmackDown really shouldn't impact Fox's relationship with the UFC and the money that was offered because SmackDown's going to air on Big Fox on Friday nights. It's not going to be it's not going to fall under the umbrella of Fox Sports. It's not coming out of the budget for FS1. It's from a t- entirely different budget. It's a primetime network TV budget. This is it's an entertainment show. So there's definitely more than enough room both financially and on the air for both SmackDown and the UFC to coexist in the Fox family of networks. So it took 
WMEIMG off guard that the deal was lowered. And it's interesting, Jason, because I've seen conflicting reports. I've seen that the offer was lowered to one hundred five million per year uh, per year, and then also one hundred fifty million per year annually. I shouldn't say per year an- annually. That's redundant. Pardon me. So I believe it's one hundred fifty million, and the reason why is because if it was one hundred seventy-five million, that's an extra twenty-five billion dollars a year. You're, I don't care how rich you are, how well you're doing. In the TV business, especially when you have people that invested in your company and you're accountable to them in some way, shape, or form, you're not going to leave $25 million a year on the table just because you like ESPN better. I think it was a dollar-for-dollar deal, and they were so bitter over how things transpired. They went to the UFC and said, hey, they went to the ESPN. The UFC went to ESPN and said, hey, I know that you haven't expressed a ton of interest in our traditional rights fee deal. But you have an opportunity to get in on this at $150 million. You don't even have to outbid Fox at this point. We will do it the same deal with you guys. And from an ESPN's perspective, maybe you weren't incredibly interested in this because you have so much sports programming on your networks and you've got you know some budget issues. But you take that deal because it not only brings content to your network, but really the bigger selling point from the perspective of ESPN is you're taking – a ton of content away from FS1. You're really hurting FS1. So to me, is this deal from an ESPN's pr- perspective more about them getting this this dynamic content that they're excited about, or is the greater value in their eyes, is it about hurting FS1, their top competitor, who's not really a, a true competitor in, in the sense of the world, but it almost cripples FS1. But think about this. What's it say when the current rights holder lowers their offer? I mean, even the UFC was, they were not getting the amount of money they wanted from FS1 and Fox. To me, that that's a warning sign. Like, I, I saw people thinking, like, magically, UFC on ESPN is going to increase the viewership. I'm sorry. I've I've been in in the marketing side of this now for a, for a while in terms of sports bars. Hey, and folks. People are not coming out in droves like they yep. used to, yep. and and you you look at and there was a a comment that we had from a Wrestling Roundtable that said both UFC and WWE fans complain already that the products are too diluted, too many shows, etc. Yet the recent TV deals for both companies seem to indicate even more content between ESPN, ESPN Plus, even Fight Pass. How can UFC possibly put on pay per view? That sells every month. And this is, I I can just say from my perspective, being in marketing where I am trying to get people to walk into a sports bar one Saturday a month to watch a premium UFC content, which folks, it is not cheap for a bar to run it. There are a lot cheaper things we can put on on a Saturday night than run a UFC event. That's just, that's a fact. It's you look at 42 events a year and I even find myself as a consumer of the product. I have found myself over the last six months where I'm just not even watching fight cars live anymore. I'm going via DVR. Um, you know, I can tell you the, the last UFC show last weekend watched via DVR, you know, instead of sitting there for seven hours watching that event, I can get that event in two or three hours. Boom. And, and, and it's a lot quicker. You know, we even had another question, um, 
in related to that about the, the pacing of the shows, uh, which came from uh, Jay Cryer, who who asked if we thought the pacing would improve uh, compared to the current product we see now on, on Fox and FS1. When it comes to the, the, the UFC on ESPN fight night shows, you're going to get that same type of, uh, of pacing, but it, it based on this press release, the way I'm reading it, it sounds like only the main cards are going to be on e- UFC on ESPN, where your preliminary cards are going to be on the app. Yeah, you know, and I, I think the ESPN Plus shows, those exclusive shows, I think those will have some faster pacing uh, because I, I don't know how many ads ESPN Plus can sell through a paywall. You know, I, I don't think that it's going to be oversaturated with advertising. So I think you might see these ESPN Plus shows uh, go a little bit faster. But ESPN, they, you know, yeah, they get a lot in carriage fees, but they pay so much for the rights fee to all of these these networks. I mean, to all, to all these sports properties, they've got to make that money back. They've got to sell some advertising. So you'll see almost as many advertising breaks between fights and incorporated in that way. You know, I, I spoke to someone about how these negotiations transpired and how badly they were misplayed. It was equated to buying a house. Let's say, Jason, you own a house and you, you know, you, you, you're not really in the market for a house necessarily. Um, you already own a lot of real estate. You're, you're happy with your real estate holdings. You're just not in the market. But, you know, you pass by a house. It's, it's, there's an open house and you, you, you go into it because that's you're in the real estate business. You buy houses. So you take a look. You like what you see, but you find out that the price tag is between four hundred to five hundred thousand, and you're just not interested at that price. You're you're not a, really eager to add a new house to to your portfolio. You you know you you sign in at the open house, and the real estate agent has your info. You walk out, you hear from him a couple months later, and he says, "Hey, Jason, you know you, you came to this open house a couple couple months ago. You know there's been some changes. You know around uh, the the asking. You know the current high bid is two hundred thousand dollars for this house." If you come in a little bit higher, you're going to steal this house. And, and you, you thank the real estate agent for his time. You said, you know, even at that price, it, even though it's a good value, potentially, it's just not something that I'm interested in right now. And you hang up the phone. You get a call another com- couple months later, and the real estate agent's panicked. Jason, the house now, the, the, there was an issue with the, the previous bid. The current bid right now is 150000 Jason. They're so angry with, with the bidder. There, there's so much animosity there. You're being asked to come in now and put a bid. You don't even have to outbid them. You can just match the bid for $150,000, and this this house will be yours. And by the way, Jason, the 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 other high bid it's a rival of yours. So you're not only going to get a great deal on this house, you're going to hurt your rival as well. And even though you weren't interested in this house necessarily, Jason, you weren't planning on it at that price. You just take it. And that's what happened here with Ari Emanuel and WME IMG. They lost big. They had a standing offer for $200 million on the table that they did not take. Now, there's I've seen some reports out there that's saying that the Fox offer at one point was as high as $250 million a year. I, I don't know about that. But I, but I do know from what the people that I've spoken to, it was as high as $200 million a year. Everyone, they were, you know, everyone in the industry knew that based on the current ratings success or lack thereof of the UFC on Fox on Fox they didn't have the leverage to get more than that and you know that 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 the flirtations with the WWE that could impact their offer and the other shoe fell and the offer came down that is a loss of 50 million dollars annually that is over time a quarter over a five-year period that's a quarter of a billion dollars 
that they lost out by overplaying and not understanding and acknowledging the market. And, you know, if if this was the Fertitas and it was a privately owned, singularly owned company, you could say, you know what? It, the Fertitas gambled, they lost, you know, it, it's not going to really kill them at the end of the day, but it's a different ownership setup now. And Ari Emanuel, WMEIMG, they asked a lot of their celebrity clients to come in on this deal with them. They didn't necessarily have the financial means to go out and get the UFC. They had to go out and bring other investors into this deal. And they, they, they you know, played a dangerous game by bringing in celebrity clients, clients they represent, that they depend on, the commissions that they depend on from movie deals and, and, and you know, other entertainment projects. They brought them into this deal and they sent out investor sheets, forums projecting 400 million to 450 million dollars annually and they not only go below that but they 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 lose a you know an additional quarter of a billion dollars by being foolish and Ari Emanuel and WME IMG they're accountable to those people they brought these people in they sold them on a lot of things that have not happened and there will be repercussions there will be blowback they, they are not a public company per se but there are investors in here that were told certain things and they invested on a premise that did not happen. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that, that's a big thing. I mean, look, in, 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 when it comes to WWE, I, you know, if I'm if I'm Fox, do I want to be the WWE business or the UFC business right now? You know, in terms of ratings, I'd want to be in the WWE business. You know, in response to that, I... I hate to – I don't really have much to add to that, and I hate to jump around, but I do want to go back to, to a criticism that I had of the media earlier on the show. And I want to get your perspective on it, Jason, because you have a ton of reporting experience in the MMA industry. You've been involved in the MMA media for a long time. Do you, How do you feel about how this deal is being couched by the MMA media? You know, specifically, it's, do, you feel, do you feel like the, the – mainstream MMA media is promoting this as a combined deal that a deal is almost it was almost as if it was consummated at the same time the digital rights and the traditional rights and that it's the public's being misled a little bit I mean I, I think you, they're they're pointing it out as the bigger number oh UFC is getting you know 1.5 billion o- over five years but I think you have to look if if this deal I think would have been announced all at one time I think our perception may be a little different, but the fact of the digital side of this was announced before, and the fact is you're reportedly paying the same amount for digital as you are for your linear rights. To me, that that's where I think that, you know, I always say this, you know, I understand that you want to have a, a good relationship with promoters, fighters, managers, but, you know, the way I look at it, and, and this goes to very early on in my time in, in terrestrial radio, where I had a program director that said, Jason, you know, look, you have to, you have to be honest with your listeners. You can't sugarcoat anything. And unfortunately, I think in MMA, there are a lot of reporters that I, I just think don't give you their true opinion because they're, they're, they're in fear of, you know, the, the blowback they could get on that. And, you know, and I get that if you're worried about, Hey, you don't want to, you know, be blackballed from this industry. I understand that. I get that. But. I think overall, you have, you know, if you're, especially like if you're in, in this form, in a podcast form, you got to be honest with, with the people that are, are listening to you so they know how you feel. Um, 
you know, I mean, look, it's, you know, on the surface, hey, $1.5 billion over five years, that's great. But when you really start to break this down and the fact that they're only getting $150 million a year for their, you know, their t- television rights, I mean, that's kind of... And you look at what the WWE has gotten from, you know, uh, NBC and Fox for Raw and SmackDown, and you sit there and go, man, networks much rather right now be in business with the WWE over the UFC just based on the viewership the WWE can bring, you know, versus a, a UFC viewership. You made a salient point about how the deal was framed, and that's why I think it was a knee jerk, a panic move by the UFC, because if these talks had been ongoing for the tra- traditional TV rights, if you're the UFC, you pump the brakes on the announcement regarding the digital deal, and then you truly announce it as an all-in-one because it almost becomes, and the analogy that I'll use is, is the Yanni versus Laurel thing, where it's the same sound just heard two different ways. Suddenly, even though it's the same amount of money, it's a completely different perspective on how you look at this deal. If this deal was announced – Hey, as an all-in-one, it, it, the, the ESPN has acquired the traditional and digital TV rights. Thirty shows, one point five billion, three hundred million a year. It's 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 a true victory because when you look at it, you say, "Wow, maybe they got you know two hundred fifty million for the traditional rights, and they've got you know they got fifty million for this new digital package, or two hundred million versus a hundred million. You don't know the breakdown. You just see it as a true three hundred million dollars a year." But the way it was announced, the way it leaked out, the, the true story is it's almost like an NBA team that comes out and has a huge first half. They score 75 points in the first half. And you say, wow, you know, they, they could score 150 points in this game, set some records. Maybe if they don't, you know, shoot as well in the second half, you know, maybe they'll only score 135 to 140. But in reality, they come out in that second half. They only score 20 points, and and they hit they hit triple figures. They hit 100 points. You say, well, 100 points is 100 points. But you say, man, that first half and the way they played in the second half, and and that's how I look at this this deal. They, they the UFC played an awesome first half. They were set up to score a ton of points, and then they 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 crapped the bed in the second half. You know, it, when you look at it, when that base is you got that base 150 million, and and you could add to that. You know, they, they could have walked away, you know, had they played this right, they could have had $350 million a year. Instead, they're, they're coming out with, with $300 million. Yeah, there, there's uh, one interesting question that we got here, and this came from Ryan Sharp, and this, I think, correlates into ESPN versus FS1, where Ryan wrote, will the ESPN deal help the UFC find new slash younger viewers? I live in Canada, and I'm not sure what the TV deal is done up here, but I'm very happy with FightNet and TSN. Lots of free fights. I hope it stays this way. FightNet has most Fight Pass cards, and also mentions that he loves the podcast. Um, you know, look, I, I think that, you know, in terms of the sports fan, in terms of that younger sports fan, they know who FS1 is. Obviously, you know who ESPN is. I mean, ESPN's a brand, just like the UFC is a brand. But you know, we we've talked about on this you know this podcast for the past couple of years. You know, the the television viewership is really changing. And, you know, one of the things that I kind of and I have not, you know, really dived deep into ESPN plus just because I think right now I don't you know, I don't know if it's really worth what I want to pay five bucks a month for just based on you know how often am I going to watch it? See, I'll be honest, I, you know, early part of the reason I took this week off was I had to get my wisdom teeth taken out. 
And uh, I've probably watched more television over the last three days than I've watched in the last three months. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, and, and I pay, look, I pay a lot of money for direct TV. Um, and uh, and I, I always say this. The only reason I pay that is is I want the sports content, you know, because, um, you know, the, it can be difficult to get that sports content you want by, by cutting the cord. Um but, you know, you look at the way television viewership has changed. I don't know if it's going to bring a, a younger audience. You know, one of, you know, there's that, that line the UFC has been putting out there about their median age and, and, and how much a percentage of their audience is, is a quote unquote millennial. Um, and, and I don't, you know, first off, I'd love to know how they came up with that, that yeah. number. I, that yeah. to me would be very interesting. I, I got what they say. I'm trying to think of the percentage off the top of my head, what they called their, did they say it was six percent of their audience is a millennial? I, I can't remember the exact figure they're coming up there, but I would just love how they, they came up with that number because every time I see something like that, I think about the peak audience of the UFC. And, and I think about that 2007, 2010 range. So you start to think about that person that might have been 24, 25 years old back in 2008 you know they're now you know in their mid-30s you know you know so are you still getting that 21 to 25 year old audience to 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 gain that viewership and that's that's a question i just really don't know the answer to well i don't think they're getting it uh you know i don't think no matter how they they spin it because and i don't think a lot of these sports leagues are i think a lot of these sport sports leagues they're just out of touch with the the younger generation that's coming into buying power more and more every day, and I think a lot of the initiative initiatives that they've enacted are just condescending. Oh yeah, you know we need younger viewers. Let's let's put let's do streaming. Streaming's cool. Let's do streaming. Well, look at Major League Baseball. They they did this deal with, with Facebook for these Wednesday afternoon games. Major League Baseball, they're they're in trouble because their attendance is sagging. Ratings aren't that strong. And the younger generation just does not have any appreciation for, for the game. And you could change the the conduit. You could change the vessel in which you present your sport to the millennial generation. But if the sport itself doesn't have the way the game's played doesn't appeal, it doesn't matter the vessel in which you're, you're viewing it, it. It's just not going to work. Major League Baseball's biggest issue isn't how people watch it. You know, putting a, a Major League Baseball game on Facebook isn't going to solve their their demographic issue and getting younger viewers if the game is still found to be boring by the younger generation. If you can be on ESPN Plus and and yeah, now you can watch UFC on your phones, which you can already do on UFC Fight Pass, or you could watch it on a tablet or you know, you could you can watch it just about anywhere. But if the millennials aren't connecting with the fighter personalities, if they're not connecting with the, the the they're not drawn to the action in in the cage and the way the stories are are transfolding in in the cage and just the action, uh, if the, if the appeal isn't there, it doesn't matter the, the the avenue, the stage in which present the product on. If, if they're not intrigued by it, if they're not interested with it in it, and they're not connecting with it, then it, it just doesn't matter. I think to kind of further on that point is you got to get people engaged in your product. You know, look, and speaking of baseball, like, you know, I, I love fantasy baseball. If, if if I didn't play fantasy baseball, I'd be honest, I probably wouldn't watch much baseball. I, I can tell you there is no way I'm getting my wife to go to a baseball game. But I can tell you, um, you, you know, th this was probably seven, eight years ago. 
the way that I was essentially able to get her to watch fight with fights with me was the UFC countdown shows because it, it kind of it told you the story of the fires and it basically gave her an idea who she wanted to root for uh, to win the fight. And that's where I think you know, I think a benefit to the potential UFC, this UFC deal with ESPN is maybe if you put some of those, those type of programmings on ESPN, even if it's at an odd hour, maybe it's in sometime in the afternoon, sometime at night, whatever it may be, you know, you, you got to get people excited about fights you know and there's you know there there's a lot of you know there's a lot of ufc content out there but ultimately you have to get people excited about sitting down and investing a couple hours to watch a fight you know i mean look at this sunday you know it's a an afternoon car starts at at 1 p.m eastern time um, I, I love the main event of darren till and stephen thompson the you know that's a fight that, that's drawn me there but Outside of that, there's not a lot of fights that I'm like, oh man, gotta sit down and watch it. And that to me is you have to look at the promotion aspect of it. Of of you have to the UFC, you know, no matter what platform they're on, they have to get people excited about watching fights. And this has been a struggle with this company for easily the last year. Oh, more longer than that, Jason. There's just too many fighters. There's too many shows, and there's not enough star making potential out there there just aren't enough stars to populate the amount of shows that they're they're doing and they're stressing their marketing people they're stressing their production people the people that are in key positions to help tell these stories to help work in conjunction with the fighters and their management team and upper ufc management the resources are just stretched too thin there is not enough time to tell these stories and there are too many fighters and fights populating the airwaves for for attraction to be gained in the mind of casual viewers there's just too much and it's overbearing you know it's oh it's 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 just overbearing and you know i you know one of my favorite times one of my favorite periods of the ufc is pre tough the, the pre-ultimate fighter, I would say that right after the UFC took over, uh, Zufa took over in 2001, that 2001 to 2004 period, maybe t- early 2005, where there were only, you know, a show maybe once every two months, and there's only about four or five divisions. I think, you know, it was five, and then they cut featherweight. But you only had, each division was populated only about by six to eight guys. And in order to to bring in new talent, they were constantly turning over the bottom of their – they didn't publish rankings, but you knew that you know fighters 6, 7, and 8 in, in the division, that you know one loss, you know, if they fell back there and there was a new guy that the UFC wanted to sign, you know, they were going to – you know th- those guys were in trouble. So it felt like every time – every fight had dire consequences where you, know, you were either two fights away from a title shot or you were one fight away, one bad loss away from getting cut so that the UFC could bring in some new blood. And now it's just and, – and you knew that the six to eight, potentially even ten guys and you know, in, in some of the deeper divisions. You knew all those guys. You, you, it's, it, they were like teams. You knew all the teams. You, you kind of had imaginary standings in your mind. There were so few guys in each division. You kind of could just totally ascertain and the, the pecking order for yourself. Now – it's just there's so many fighters you can't you know it's impossible to even just memorize all the names let alone actually know who the people are behind the names 
I mean, look, someone who, uh, you know, does a, a weekly podcast every week, and now I've been doing a, a DFS show every weekend with, uh, you know, Pete Rogers Jr., who's, who's fought in Bellator. It's, you know, there's, there's a lot of times when I'm doing the prep work for those shows that, you know, you have to kind of think about, okay, all right, I remember this guy's name, and, and you got to kind of look back, oh, okay, I remember that fight, remember that fight. It, it can be uh, very tough. You bring up the ultimate fighter, which brings up this question, which we got from Amy Kaplan, which is she's at uh, photo Amy 33 says, what does this mean for the ultimate fighter? Which if you read the press release, there's no mention uh, about the ultimate fighter, which to me tells me uh, the ultimate fighter probably, uh, you know, the, the final season is going to come up. Uh, this fall, you know, and, and I've seen some people on social media like, oh, my God, I can't believe the ultimate fire is going away. Like, have you not paid attention to the television ratings? Yeah, yeah. No one gives a crap about the ultimate fighter anymore. The only people that care about the ultimate fighter are, you know, prospect fighters who, who view it as the the easiest and quickest way to get into the UFC. I mean, it's just, I, I, I can't tell you, you know, I've tried to watch the ultimate fighter. It, it just, <laughs> to me, same. it's just so un- unwatchable. Like I, I don't, if, if they put a package together and maybe it'd be on UFC fight pass where, you know, uh, you know, they would just say, okay, here's a fight from this week's ultimate fighter. I would just watch that because I don't give a crap about the reality aspect of it. Like, you know, there's every season, the ultimate fire, they try to put this new wrinkle this season. Oh, it's all these undefeated guys. It is the same goddamn show. <laughs> it, it, it's like, uh, you know, look, I, a show that I, I watched at one time, I haven't watched it in several seasons, bar rescue, just because of, of being in the bar business. And there's a lot of great information that's on that show. But it's the same goddamn show every week. There is no all it is is a new cast. That's all it is. It's the yep. same show, and that's that to me is my problem with the Ultimate Fighter. Is you know, as someone who consumes combat sports a lot, I have no interest in watching that show, and that should be the sign of why that show is likely going away at the end of this year. I'm going to put you on the spot, Jason. Name for me the last five winners of the Ultimate Fighter. Okay, so we're in uh, tough. Twenty six would have been uh, that would have been uh, that would have been um, that was a female flyweight season. Um, that would have been uh, I can't think of her first name, but Montano, who's likely going to get killed by uh, Valentina Shevchenko when they make that fight. And she's Ultimate a champion. F- she's a champion, by the way. That and that one's easy because she's a champion. But- oh, she's going to get destroyed. Okay. Uh, yeah. Tough 25 would have been Tim Elliott because, remember, he got wow. the fight. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, tough 25. And, and I'll tell you the only reason I remember it was Tough 25 because I saw Tim Elliott tweet something the other day about Tough 25 of him. Tough 24. Uh, I, I can't even think of who's on the cast. My, my point is this. If you're listening to this show and you're complaining about the possibility of tough going away and you're asking why that might happen name for me the last five winners and if you can you know we should give you a prize but we're not gonna but if you can't that answers the question for you because it's not relevant anymore the object of the show the purpose of the show was to create stars and if you can't name the easily name the last five winners of the show it is an irrelevant show its usefulness has died there's no reason for it to continue because the ratings suck for it. No one is watching that show. So, you know, it was reported, I think, a couple months back that, you know, 
that, that with the new deal, the Dana White Contender Series, that was the kind of the reality show replacement that was being pitched as part of the TV deals, and that was going to replace Tough. Now, we haven't heard much since then, but based on the way everything has, has evolved and the way things have been reported, the fact that the Ultimate Fighter has not even been mentioned anywhere, has not even got a sniff of attention, says to me that it is going to die an unceremonious death at the conclusion of this current Fox deal. Well, look, if I'm representing a young fighter, you know, I've, I've got a fighter, let's say he's 5-0, 6-0, oh, 7-0, oh, somewhere in, in that range. I'd much rather him go on the Contender Series because, yeah. A, you're getting 5000 a show, 5000 a win, and good luck trying to get anything like that on the regional scene unless you're just some massive ticket seller. And, and, and you, you know you go on that show and, and you perform well, you're likely going to get into the UFC as opposed to going into a reality show, you know, spending six weeks uh, away from your family, you know, pretty much, I mean, you're, you're totally isolated from the world. So, I mean, I, you know, the container series is great, even though I thought Jeff Wagamime had a great piece this week about Greg Hardy, um, you know, and just, I'm, I'm still baffled by that, Sam. I, I, I'll, I will say this. I, as much as I am baffled about them putting Greg Hardy on that show, I am baffled that his management is putting him in the fight they're putting him in against. Uh, going up, you know, they're, he's not going up against a, another guy who's zero and zero in his career. They're putting up a guy that's you know, a lot of people view as a solid prospect in Austin Lane, who happens to also be a, a former NFL player. You know, it's just, but you know, one of the things I I, I think one one of the issues you have with the ultimate fighter, but you also have the contender series is I think there are managers who try to rush their fighters there. You know, if, if your fighter only has a couple of fights, let's say he only has four fights. You want his fifth fight to be in the UFC. I always say you, you don't need to be developing the UFC. You need to kind of already be there. And that's one of the issues I see with the contender series. But for me as a consumer contender series, is actually one of the reasons why I would keep a fight pass subscription. Well, now it's not going to be on Fight Pass anymore. So well, th- well, this this, se- this season of the Contender Series, which starts uh, here uh, in, in a couple of weeks, will be on on uh, on Fight Pass. But yeah, coming twenty nineteen. Yeah. The one thing, and when I read all these press releases, and the UFC really hasn't said much about the future of Fight Pass, it is what is you know why should I have Fight Pass going into into twenty nineteen? I mean, that to me is is really the big question mark of, you know, even if you lower Fight Pass to five bucks a month, for instance, you know, saying what what ESPN Plus is, well, what am I getting for that five bucks? Are you telling me that that's just for the 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 fight library, the, the you know, every single UFC fight, you know, in the library? I'll, I'll pass. I don't need that. They have not made Fight Pass a high enough priority, and in hindsight, it was a massive mistake because you look at the situation that they are in now. Or they just were in not having enough leverage because the media can talk about NBC and Turner Sports having been interested in the, in this rights fee deal for the UFC. They were never seriously interested because if they were, they would have gotten in on this at the when when Fox lowered the offer and they would have got it at 170. The traditional TV rights deal at 175 million instead of 150. I mean, they they would have came in and 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 got it at, at, at you know a, a much more affordable rate than they initially thought if they were seriously interested they would have they would have got they would have came in late and, and and they and they didn't where were they where were they if they weren't willing to pay 150 million dollars for the traditional UFC rights deal then were they ever serious about it in the first place and 
again, my sources said all along that they, you know, don't put too much stock into that. They have relationships with, with Ari and WME IMG. If, if that, if Ari asked for that, you know, information be leaked as a favor to try to bid, you know, Fox up, then they would definitely work with him on that level. So, you know, you, you look at it from, from, from that perspective and had they built up fight pass more, had they, you know, had Eric winter stayed, you know, had he continued there and they, they'd given, they'd given Eric more power and given him more ammunition, more resources to grow fight pass, then the UFC potentially could have used that as a fallback option saying, Hey, you know, we've got a base, you know, we've got a pretty robust, you know, infrastructure here as a way to deliver content. And, you know, we don't have a huge base, but we have got a, a sizable one. And if we put more content on there, we could really grow this thing. And you look at what WWE's done with their network, you know, this, you know, you got to offer us, you know, if you don't want us to, to move to the OTT play and, and migrate to, to that, you, you, then you got to pay us more money to, to stick with a traditional TV deal. And, but fight, fight pass is just so weak, they didn't have the ability to do that. So, had they built up fight pass more, they could have had you know some additional leverage. You look at what WWE has done with their network, with the WWE network, and you look at how their fortunes have transpired here over the past month or so, getting three times the rights fee deal from their previous previous deal, three times the amount. And I got to think that the network played a part in that. All right, Sam, uh, you know, great stuff there about, uh, you know, kind of what the, the TV deal. Do you want to get some some questions that we also had? Uh, this one from uh, Joe at Joe Daddy 85 says, which broadcast will be primary ESPN or ESPN plus? Also, if fighters can't get any of that TV money, what can Dana offer them monetarily or in benefits, pay for medicals, extra hotel rooms? You'll see it'll look very bad if fighters don't get some kind of benefits with this massive deal. I mean, look, I, I would still view uh, the linear path package as the primary but i mean look you're going to get much more content in terms of what's going to be on espn plus um you know in terms of you know the the monetary side for fighters uh, one of the things i did find interesting i want to say i'm not sure if it was early this week or, or late last week where uh lucas middlebrook uh, on his firm's website is now putting uh, out uh, the 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 legal forms about what's going on with Leslie Smith and National Labor Board against the UFC i mean look i, I and i say this is you look at this television rights deal, and, and you, you know you look at the amount of money the UFC is going to get. If the fighters are, you know, this is another example of if the fighters aren't going to stand up for themselves, it, it's never going to happen. And I don't think this will be a windfall for the fighters because it's really a shortfall for WME IMG because they were projecting four hundred to four hundred fifty million dollars a year, and they came way below that. So if anything, it could go backwards. They could try to look to cut costs to try to make up for the fact that they did not come away with as much money as they thought. And someone could counter that and say, well, Sam, they never really believed they were going to get 400 to 450 million in the first place. That was a number they were throwing out there to try to get the offer up. But, and in some cases that's true. That's a negotiation tactic, a smart negotiation tactic, but they published that number to their investors. They put it on a printed piece of paper and they circulated that, which says to me, that they were really believing and expecting and anticipating that they were going to get that. And by not getting that, they've got to find some other ways to make up the revenue. Yeah, and, and, and how they're going to make up uh, that revenue. Uh, another question, this comes from uh, Rob Walden at Robert C. Walden on Twitter. He says, I'd be c 
curious to know if you think the 10 televised ESPN cards will have a higher overall fight quality than the 20-ish ESPN Plus cards. Sam, my, my simple answer to that is uh, yes. I believe those those fight yeah. qual- those cards will be uh, a much higher quality. I, I think there's no question. Uh, another question from uh, Ryan Sharp. He see, says, I see the UFC are still planning 12 pay-per-views next year. What a bad move. I have zero friends that want to pay for UFC. Some will still watch on free TV. I can't afford every pay-per-view anymore. Will pay-per-view kill the sport? Um, you know, look, it's one of the things I say about pay-per-view is, you know, it's a premium content. You know, do do you feel like you are getting premium quality fights? And um, I, I think the UFC is over the past couple of months has been trying to step up. I, I saw the, I guess they reported UFC 224 buy rate was extremely awful. Yeah. Sure. Um, did, did, I, did I see someone say 85,000? That was a report. I don't know how reputable that report is, but if that's true, that's pre-Zufa pay-per-view level. I mean, that, that if that if that is, wow, that, that's unbelievable. I mean, it, you know. Pay-per-view is not, not going to kill the UFC. The UFC is killing pay-per-view. Yeah, no, and, I mean. You know, these numbers are so low. You know, it's just, I said it over Twitter. If they just did six or seven stack shows and promoted them the right way, gave their marketing team and their PR team the ability to really push a show once every two months and made it a big stacked card, make it like an event like feel, they would probably do more in total buys for those six to seven shows and they would are producing 12 shows. You know, the thing I and love. You don't have the expense. The thing I just, the thing that I just like, it's just the people losing their shit over CM Punk being on the main card of the pay per view of UFC 225. Like, if you can't understand why CM Punk is on the pay per view, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I I, I was telling somebody (laughs) the other day, they asked me, they said, "Hey, Jason, from you know, from your your perspective, if CM Punk was not on the pay per view, would you recommend to your clients?" to buy the pay-per-view for their bar? And my answer was no. Because while UFC 225 is a great lineup for the hardcore fight fan, there is no other fighter on that card that is bringing a different set of eyeballs to the pay-per-view that CM Punk is going to bring. I have nothing to add to that. I mean, it's just like I'm sitting there, I see these people saying this, and I'm like, Oh my God! Do you yeah. not understand the UFC is doing what's best for their business? You know, I uh, and and like I look at the the fight card lineup change where they put Blades and Overeem to the to the TV prelims and 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 moved um, Holman Anderson to the main card, which I think is twofold. I, I firmly believe that was a TV decision because they felt, hey, we need to have somebody that's going to draw a viewership to that main card or to that, the prelim card on FS1 and, and looking at, you know, Overeem and Blades, two heavyweights, have a, a more likelihood to bring more viewers. And, and I mean, look, and obviously, you know, they want to put Anderson on the pay-per-view because if she wins that, I, I think clearly they're going to rush her into that cyborg fight. I, I think there's no question about that. But I've like, seen these people, like, just losing their goddamn mind over CM Punk on the pay-per-view, and I'm like... Fellas, this is just simple business 101. I don't, it's kind of like, why do you think uh, Bellator is putting the MTV UK reality star on their main card of Bellator 200? It's because they're looking to increase the viewership. But also, I saw that 
um, Bellator 200 in the UK is also going to be on MTV. Because and, and the whole reason, what's oh, it, uh, Chambers, Aaron Chambers, Chalmers, something like that, is his name. But I just I've seen that in the past couple days, Sam. I just I just it baffles me. Uh, final question we got here from uh, Luis Fernando says I heard that the UFC may still trying to shop a handful of pay per views to a different network. Is this true? You know, I think there could be some other shoes to drop. I think both UFC and WWE will continue to try to get more content. They will try to continue to sell more content. And, you know, Fox Sports 1 is going to have to do something. And it's not going to be with the UFC, obviously. But, you know, do they try to get an NXT? Uh, you know, because they're not getting SmackDown. They're not getting Raw. You know, do they tr- They got to replace the UFC with something. Do- does WWE try to move SmackDown from its network and try to get a, a real rights fee deal from a Fox Sports 1 or does Fox Sports 1 ramp down? You know, things have not gone well for Fox, Fox Sports 1 since the, the since its inception. And there's a lot of reports out there that Big Fox is going to go with a different programming philosophy. Instead of trying to develop all of these comedies and dramas, that they're going to go with more sports in prime time and more broader based, you know, appeal sh- uh, entertainment uh, events, possibly more live events. And maybe more movies, you know, things of that nature that they're really going to change their programming approach. And do they start to convert some of the higher profile sports rights deals that they've earmarked for Fox Sports 1? Do they bring some of that content over to Fox? Maybe do some of the lesser stuff on Saturday and Sunday afternoons and then maybe do some college basketball, more college football in prime time. And do they maybe slowly get out of the sports network business. We already know they're getting out of the RSN business, whether it's with Disney or or Comcast, you know, they're not going to have those regional sports networks soon. Do they kind of say, Hey, you know what? This Fox sports one thing we're, we're not making a ton of money on it. We're in fact, we're losing money because we have to spend so much money for these rights fee deals to get these sports franchises to work with us. And then the rate of uh, return is so low you know, you know, did they just get out of it altogether? Because and if they're not, then they've got to do something, whether it's with WWE or maybe, you know, maybe Bellator gets sold and maybe Bellator somehow ends up, you know, a couple nights a week on FS1. But FS1, you know, both the UFC and Fox, specifically FS, FS1, by not continuing their working relationship, I think they both come out of this hurt by the fact that they will not continue to work together. I don't. I think they're both losers in this deal. If if Fox is committed to maintaining FS1, losing all the UFC content is going to really hurt them. And I think Fox. I think UFC going to a network where they're not going to be as high of a priority. I think that also is going to hurt them in the long run as far as building to uh, bigger pay per view audiences and developing new fans. I just don't know if this ESPN deal is is what it what everyone thinks it's going to be for them. If this would have been a, a much bigger deal if we were talking about this in 2011. Yeah, I would. You know, in terms of the, the SmackDown deal, I, I thought that that for Bellator, if Viacom could have somehow landed that deal, and you could, you know, run SmackDown Friday night eight to ten, and then Bellator ten to midnight, I, I thought that would have been a huge deal for Bellator. You know, you have to imagine that there are people in Viacom, you know, thinking about man, you know, is there a, you know, is there a market if somebody wanted to, you know, you know, buy the television rights for Bellator, or maybe even outright just buy the company. It, it's it's something you know a, a lot of 
uh, I would classify a lot of the, the Bellator hardcore fan base have asked me if I think that's a possibility. And, and the line I've always stuck to is I thought if someone would put a decent offer on the table to Viacom to buy Bellator, I think they would take it. Yeah. You know, if I was part of an investor group, you know, and I was looking to invest in a sports property, I would definitely reach out to Fox and say, what are your plans with FS1? would you be interested in staying in the MMA business? And if they said, yeah, you know, under the right circumstances, we would be, then my next phone call would be to Viacom and say, hey, is there any interest in possibly selling Bellator? And if there was, I would try to put that deal together and and try to take Bellator to Fox and FS1. That's why I I, I think I, I don't know if I said on this podcast or my other podcast, you know, if I was Scott Coker, I'd be lining up my own investor group right now. Yep. And because then, this, know, this, it, this 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 could be strike force all over him again. That's and that's kind of similar to what Eric Bischoff did in the dying days of WCW. He brought in his own investor group and was trying to buy it from Turner, you know. And and the rug kind of got pulled out from under him when they canceled the TV deal. And then his investors said, "We're not interested in this without an, a, a TV deal, you know, on the table for us to sign and, and move forward with." So we lost the. The, the investors. But yeah, absolutely. If I was Scott Coker right now, I would be reaching out to all my friends and saying, hey, you know what? Let's uh, let's look at possibly buying this from Viacom. And then I would probably have some people, you know, third party people trying to reach out to, to, to Fox and see what their plans are for FS1. Because that's a, losing the UFC. That's a ton of programming that they are going to have to to fill now. Yeah, I mean, and and what other sports prop? I mean, ESPN. I mean, you look at that ESPN ABC portfolio, and, and just all of the. I mean, for the combat sports fan, not just would you have the UFC, but we, we look at, at top rate yeah. boxing. Um, you know, they, they've got you know the the package there. If if you're a, a combat sports fan, I thought it was very. I don't know if we talked about this um, when I was watching the Lomachenko fight uh, two weeks ago. The Crawford fight coming up is actually on ESPN Plus. Wow. Which I thought, I mean, uh, Crawford and Horn fight, which is, I don't know, I think it's sometime in June. But I, I thought it was very interesting when they were, you know, talking about how that was an ESPN Plus file. I was like, wow, that's, you know, I mean, obviously they're trying to get subscribers you know, for ESPN Plus, but I, I thought that was kind of interesting. And uh, it's going to be an interesting time to see how this works out for the UFC. I mean, I think as we kind of wrap things up here, I mean, I think at the end of the day, the UFC just has to get their fan base more excited about the fights, you know? And I don't, um, but I, Jason, sorry to cut you off. I don't think they know how to do that. I don't think that this current ownership really knows what they're doing at the end of the day. You know, when it, as each day goes by, Lorenzo Fertitta looks more and more like the man to me. He just does. I, you know, my prediction, Jason, is I think that this deal, the shortfall that was achieved here by WME IMG, I think that that is going to force them to have to sell within the next two and a half to three years. That is my prediction for the future of the UFC. My prediction for Bellator is I think Bellator within the next year, year and a half, will be either sold or shut down. I see a lot of changes on the horizon here for MMA. In terms of that, uh, we did a, a new segment this week on the Ameriport podcast called "Buy or Sell," and one and one of the the topics we we threw out there is will will Bellator be on the Paramount Network in two years? And I sold it. I don't think they are. Absolutely not. I don't think they will. And, and another prediction here, not so bold, but PFL doesn't make it a full year. Does not make it a full year. You're when selling I- tickets for five bucks. For five bucks, Jason, 
when I saw that, Sam, I was just like, oh, my God. Like, and you brought it to my attention. But when I, I when you showed me that, I was like, are you kidding me? I, and they're doing it for their first two events. They're doing it for their Chicago event as well, um, which uh, I, I told this story earlier this week. Uh, a buddy of mine who lives in Denver. We used to, we worked together in uh, in radio, and he's out there, and, and both us in the marketing field. And he's like, "Hey, uh, what's this PFL thing?" And, you know, he's like, "Is it the real deal?" Uh, and and I was like, "Well, why are you asking?" Because he never asked me anything MMA related. And and um, one of the bars that he works with, one of the bartenders is a girl fighting Kayla Harrison. So you talk about just uh, just a, a small world, That's funny. That's funny. Um, but you know, I, I, you know, look, there's, you know, yeah, there's a lot of big money investors in the PFL, but they're not in this thing to lose money. Like, exactly. I, I sit there exactly. and say, is, you know, what is the expense? What is the total cost for them to run season one of the PFL? Thirty million? I don't. It's it's going to be crazy. I mean, they're talking about million dollar. Tournament winners. You, you've got ten. Let, let, let me ask you this question. I want to see what your answer is. And I, you know, you can and people listening, they can play along at home. What's the easiest way to get out of paying your tournament champion a million dollars when you promised them a million dollars? Oh come on, it's MMA. You, you think they're they're? <laughs> I mean, the thing about I mean, look, you can just file bankruptcy. Exactly. I mean, that, that's why I think it's going to happen because they can't. They're not going to be able to sell it if, if you if you have the money. You know, nine months into this thing, and in a couple of months, you're going to have to crown what five million dollar winners. You know, are you going to buy into that? Are you going to buy that liability? Oh yeah, let me let me hand you my money so in, in a couple of months I can pay all of these fighters. A million dollars. I mean, uh, and you know this just like everybody else in the industry. Why did you have to put a million dollar price tag on it? You could have made it two hundred thousand, and you still yep. have plenty of fighters who'd want to jump in all in on that. I mean, yep. the thing with the PFL is, look, it's all about the season one because if they can't get a television deal out of season one, which I don't, I think that the odds are very small that they can. Is how, how do you grow this thing into what people are interested in? I mean, that and also, and I think one of the flaws of the PFL, and I'm not just saying this because we do a show, but they should have brought in someone from the old regime of Bellator who knew how to handle tournaments from the regulatory side because they are going to find themselves in a situation where you know what you're going to have a guy who gets a long-term medical suspension now who you're replacing him with i mean cuz at the end of the day i think they're asking guys to fight five times in essentially about 6 months it's a lot it's a lot you know i i, I look i hope they succeed but oh man I, I i just don't see i don't see how you can even get remotely close to just breaking even no they're not they it's not going to happen and they're going to find themselves you know, in the hole towards the end of this odyssey in which they're going to have to pay a million dollars to these tournament winners. And they're just, the, the investors are going to say, we're out, we're filing for bankruptcy. That is the easiest way to get out of paying that, that those, uh, those purses. Look, and, and I think they, they've made many mistakes so far. And, and I think one of the biggest mistakes is not doing local ticket seller fights. Like, cause that's how you're going to put butts in the seats. And when you're doing $5 tickets, to me, that tells me you're not selling tickets right now. And you're less than two weeks away from your first event. Yeah, that's not I good. Mean, it's not good. Could you, could you imagine, Sam, being, you know, being in a, you're running MMA promotion. Someone says, hey, guys, we're going to do $5 seats. Say, so why don't we just give them away? 
Exactly. Well, I mean, like, you know, I just, oh, man, I just, oh, I hope it succeeds, but I just don't see it, Sam. Just don't see it. So uh, it is Memorial Day weekend. Any big plans for you and the family? Not really. The pool is going to open, so I'll uh, probably spend some time at the pool and, uh, you know, eat some food. That's about it. Yeah, it's supposed to. Uh, there's like a little tropical storm forming uh, in the Gulf of Mexico, so it looks like here oh. in Tampa we're gonna get a lot of rain. <laughs> it's not. Is it? Uh, is it hurricane season? I don't think hurricane season starts. Uh, maybe it starts June one, but um, okay, we're getting close. Yeah, man. It's you know I, I saw that and I was like, oh, all right. Well, I guess we're gonna deal with a lot of rain this weekend. <laughs> Man, you're gonna. You get, it's tough, man. You got the wisdom teeth pulled. You're gonna deal with a tropical storm. Not not fun down there in Tampa. I, I thought Tampa I, was a nice place to live, Jason. I gotta tell you, man. Um, I was surprised how quick I was able to recover from this. I, I thought it it would last a couple of days, but no, man. It's it's the, been not too bad. They give you the good stuff. Yeah, that's two two pain pills. You know, um, but yeah, man. Oh, I mean, even with, you know, <laughs> even, even when, you know, in, 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 all seriousness, in all seriousness, getting your wisdom tooth is that is painful. You do that. That's a legitimate reason to get pain pills. I, I will tell you this, you know, with, when they were setting this up, they, they're like, oh, so, do you, you know, do you want us to knock you out? And I'm like, who the hell would want to be awake for this crap? Let me ask you this. Are you a little old for, for wisdom teeth being pulled? Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. So how long, like. Did, did, did the need to have them pulled just happen, or has you, have you been dealing with this for a long time? Uh, you know, I don't go to the doctor very frequently. Yeah, so. I had mine pulled when I was like in my early twenties, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was. You know, it was. It, honestly, it was. It was really simple. I mean, nothing, um, nothing bad at all, man. I, you know, it's like, you know, it's been you know now two days since it's happened. I, I've, I'm back to normal. You know, so now, you know, now it's for me. It's just. May relax. Uh, watched a little bit of the MMA this weekend. Uh, of course, Bellator on tape delay on Friday, so you can't watch that main card live. Even though um, I'm looking forward to Michael Page and David Rickles. Uh, Rickles is going to bring it to Michael oh, that's Page. Gonna fight. That's going to be a great fight. You know, um, you know. So it's uh, kind of just wish I could watch those fights live. But I, I, I joked about it this week on a podcast, Sam. If uh, you know someone happens to tweet a link of uh, you know a, a live stream of that, I'm probably going to click that link. Really hurt Bellator with Crow Cop. That I was looking forward to that fight, Crow Cop uh, versus Nelson. Uh, that, not having it. that fight. It, it, but it, it, this in this day and age, why would you want to be in business with Merko Mer- Crow Cop? Yeah, that's an odd one to me. Um, it, it, him being off the card doesn't really affect my opinions about that card. Um, you know, because honestly, the the two fights that draw me to that event are. Uh, the the middleweight title fight and the Paige Rickles fight. Um, did he did he pass his test? Uh, Mirko. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he did. All right. All right. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah that that entire pre that entire main car was uh, out of competition drug tested. You know, it's it's something you don't hear. It doesn't get reported a lot on Bellator, but it did happen. There's been there's been a lot more drug testing going on Bellator than people realize. Which oh is, yeah, it, I mean I, I I'm aware of that it's just. Mirko, you know, just at his age, the way he looks sometimes uh, defies science a little bit. Yeah, I tell you, I saw uh, apparently he he busted up his knee really bad. So I saw, uh, I think it was Eric Hawani put out a tweet about all the, the th- you know, things wrong with his knee. I mean, um, you know, it's, I mean, look, he, he's an older, older athlete, you know, things start breaking yep. down and, uh, yeah. you know, it'd be, it'd be interesting, you know, it'd be, I, I thought they would try to do Roy Nelson check Congo. 
Well, well she Lewis she Lewis Perry was begging for that fight, and they didn't give it to him. Well, they I mean, must, uh, they must not have wanted to keep really want to keep Roy on that show. Well, I mean, I think the other part of that's got to be is you know the visa situation. You know, could you know how how easily was it to be able to get someone a visa? Um, you know, to fight on, uh, you know, when you know, Mirko, Mirko pulled out on what Sunday or Monday. Yep, yep. And then, you know, you're talking about a fight that's on Friday. I mean, I, 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 you know, you have to imagine that the, cause even, yeah, I mean, he, d- he wouldn't need a visa to travel, but he potentially would need a work visa to legally compete and be paid. Yeah. That, that's, that's the, the issue with that. Uh, and then, uh, I guess the other storyline this week will be Paul Daly and, and what goes on there. Um, Paul Daly now has new management, and uh, <laughs> he'll be in the UFC again. Good for Paul. Good for Paul. Yeah, but I think he still gotta, has some time I gotta left tell on. You, I got to tell you, Jason, because I, I this is all you know. This is uh, you know insider speak because I've worked with Paul. Paul is like Jekyll and Hyde. Because there are times where I was like, man, Paul Daly, this is a great dude, super smart. He gets it. You know, easy to work with. You know. Wow. And then like a month later, biggest pain in the ass, one of the biggest pains in the asses I've ever dealt with in MMA with fighters. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just, you know, the question has got to be, I think if you're Bellator, do you, do you want to be in the Paul Daly business? I mean, I guess that's got to be the big question. I mean, he's I, I so just, volatile. I, he's just like, I'm not talking about in the cage, outside of the cage. He's just so volatile and unpredictable. And a lot of the, he gets so angry and it's just a lot of it. I found from my perspective and he might have a different perspective. A lot of it was just totally irrational. You know, and there's a lot of fighters that have ir- irrational anger issues. Yeah. But I mean, like my thing with like what, what they did, you know, last month with him or earlier this month, is I mean like the John Fitch booking that was just like you you want to penalize uh, you know Paul Daly for his comments okay but at the end of the day who'd you really penalize you penalize your fans that are going to tune in on Spike because or a Paramount Network because it's just how many people just turn the fight off because they just weren't enjoying what they were seeing yeah that that is a middle finger fight booking but those that that happens in in the sport that's why fighters have to be careful about how they conduct themselves and and what they say and how they represent themselves and how they articulate grievances that they have because at the end of the day, the matchmaker and promoter, they have a lot of power, especially when you're engaged in an exclusive contract. Exactly. So uh, that is going to wrap it up for this edition of the MMA Insiders Podcast. Uh, Sam, as always, man, I appreciate talking with you, and uh, I'm sure there will always be something crazy uh, we'll be talking about in the next episode. Yeah, I appreciate you troopering through. I, I need to talk to somebody about this. Exactly, exactly. So, of course, you can give me a follow on Twitter at Jason underscore Floyd. And of course, you can follow Sam at Sam Kaplan B-A-C. So let's go wrap it up for this edition of the MMA Insiders Podcast, which you can hear on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com. This is a Valor Hour Quick Fix on Radio Influence. What are your thoughts on the UFC's new TV deal with ESPN? Now, I saw the uh, the headlines, and it looks like that the ESPN has snatched it away from Fox. Yeah, and, and you know, Fox, I guess, is getting WWE, right? So um, that's definitely interesting. I'm curious. I mean, I've got, I've got more questions, I guess, than answers. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I, I think it's big. It's a big move, obviously. ESPN is 
you know, your, your top sports network. What happens to Fight Pass? Does, do they have everything? Are there no more Fight Pass exclusive events? You know, uh, because if they're doing these uh, half of the events on this ESPN Plus, which is an additional add-on that is not part of your 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 basic ESPN package, it's a it's an, a you know an additional subscription. So if you want to watch all the fights, do you have to subscribe to Fight Pass and an additional ESPN service in order to to cover your bases? You know. The Valor Hour with Tim Loy and Casey Oxendine can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RadioInfluence.com.